Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant and the founder at Boldside. Hey, Em. Hey, Shell. Emily Bowen here, and I'm the COO of Rekind. Today on the show, we are doing community Q&A. We've had a stack of listener questions come through, and so we're going to hit a fair few of them. We are. It's almost like we're cleaning out our inbox for the end of the year, just jumping through all of these Q&A episodes and trying to make sure that you guys are ready to go when it comes to the new year, new you. I love that. Clearing out the inbox, clearing out these questions. There's some real bangers in here, so let's do it. All right, so we've got two questions, one from Seno and one from Nikita, and they're both quite similar. So I'm going to combine them so that we can go deep on this question, and it's about pay. So Seno says, we all know your biggest salary jump often happens when changing employers, but what's the most successful and not sly way of going about this? Do you stay the course and ask for a pay rise or do you get a better offer for a higher paying role and then go back to your employer and ask if it can be matched? And I love that at the beginning, you didn't read this, but it says, not for me, but someone in my life. And all I do is like see this, you know, flashing lights, asking for a friend, yeah. uh, which I'm sure Zeno absolutely is asking for someone in their life. But uh, I also had a little bit of a giggle. Uh, oh, okay. Option A, option B. Now, did we need to, oh, we need to go through Nikita's question too, don't we, Shell? I'm really getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, no. So the question from Nikita is, do I ask for a 10% pay rise or jump to another job and get a 20 to 30% pay rise but lose a good team and I'm in the early years of my career? Okay. So it's I guess it's this age-old question of uh, is the myth true? You know, should I jump roles because that's the quickest way to increase my income or should I stay and try and increase my income where I am? And Seno had, you know, maybe this idea of like creating a counter offer situation. Nikita's thrown in there this ingredient of particularly where it's a really good culture where you are and you know that, like what are you giving up and what could be the potential risk of moving on? If I can jump in just on this idea of getting an offer for, for a better paying role and then going back to your current employer and asking to be matched, so creating a counter offer situation that leaves me feeling yuck. I wouldn't do that. I feel like we're all for conversations, but I would encourage a conversation that doesn't require playing games. And for me, that's game playing. And particularly remembering that Seno was asking, you know, in the context of not wanting to be sly about it or feel sly about it, that to me would. Yeah. And I think what that is doing is it's trying to demonstrate to the employer that this role that you're paying me for is actually worth more in the market. So you, so you're really trying to show them I can be paid more elsewhere. Like, and sometimes it's really interesting, Em, because sometimes employers 
don't want to pay you more until they realize they can lose you. And so there's this dynamic, but I absolutely agree that we don't want to play games and we don't want it to feel manipulative or like we're putting an ultimatum to them because I think people, it just isn't a nice negotiation tactic. No. And there are other ways. It's a really good point, Shell. If we're trying to demonstrate value in the market at the moment, there are other ways to go about that. There are other ways that you can demonstrate that, that might feel a little bit more above board, dare I say it. Now, you could potentially find yourself in a situation where you go down that path. So you do your research, you present a business case, you demonstrate that you've got that potential value in the market that's above what you're currently earning. And you talk about your true desire to stay where you are as well, and that that's your highest priority. And if your employer doesn't come to the party, if they're not able to match that, then you might go and look for other jobs and you might still come back at a point in the future and say, hey, you know how we had that conversation and you weren't able to get there. I actually ended up having an offer and here's what it looks like. And you might still find yourself in a counter offer situation, but I just think to jump straight to that without a conversation up front doesn't feel like it's the best, you know, adult to adult career conversation. I'm nodding so much. If everyone can see, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I think think what you're getting out there is it's a process. So step one, talk to your employer about where you're at, give them the data, go back and listen to our pay episodes about how you find the market data about what you should be paid and then take that to them in the first instance. Then from there, if you're not seeing that movement or they're not coming to the party, well, then you look at your options, right? But it did remind me of this conversation I had recently which is a little different and the person wasn't actively job seeking. So they're not, they're not out there trying to increase their pay by looking for new jobs. They're happily in their job but they had an offer come through LinkedIn for a role that was very similar to what they're doing but paid about 40K higher than what they were on and he and I talked about this offer and he was saying to me, oh, all of a sudden now I feel like I'm underpaid, like I was happy and then I get this offer of this job where they're desperately wanting him and he he's like, oh, well, what do I do? Like um, I want to stay where I am but I also want to be paid the right kind of level. So for me I, I was like, why don't you just have that conversation and just tell them what's happened? I'd be open about it. And I think that's a different scenario to what Seno's saying because he's if, if you're in that spot, you're trying to get to an outcome by, like you said, playing some games Whereas this situation is quite different where they've had this offer come through out of the blue, but it's made them feel like maybe they're not getting paid enough. So then having using that as a catalyst for a discussion. And I love that because then you're making sure that you have all the information before you make your decision. So you're actually checking, is it possible for that offer to be matched where I am? And once I know that, then what do I want to do? Or if it's not possible, once I know that, then what do I want to do? Yeah, and so get this, that person did that conversation with their boss, got a higher pay rise than what that person had offered. So it's funny because they went about it in this really open and honest and, and high integrity in how they handled it, then they get this way better outcome because A, they wanted to stay where they were and then B, they get an even better pay rise. And sometimes employers, like we are quite, once we're in a business, we can be, particularly if you're responsible for leadership or it's your business, you're the business owner, you can end up quite inwardly focused. And maybe particularly if you're a business owner, you're not looking for other jobs or maybe you're not looking for the job that your employees are doing. And so you can lose touch with the market. You're not getting those job offers. You're not getting that really up-to-date data on what people are offering. And so 
sometimes those really genuine high integrity conversations can actually be re- really well received because the employer is able to go, oh, crap, like are we out of step with the market? We actually wanted to be an on-market or above-market payer and we seem to have lost ground there. This has been an eye-opening conversation. Let's fix it out here with you. And then it gives them food for thought through the whole business as well. And it's it's setting up this con- thing that we always talk about of how do you have frequent and open conversations with your employer all the way through your career? Totally. Now, if we add in this ingredient, so now that you know where we stand on those sorts of conversations, if we add in this ingredient from Nikita of, you know, jumping to another job for a, a significant pay rise of 20 to 30 percent or staying where you are and asking for a 10% rise, knowing that the culture is amazing and you love the team and you're early in your career. You know, I guess, does culture change this conversation or how heavy an impact should that have on your decision-making process? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, for me, culture always trumps money. Like, and I know we always talk about coming back to your values. If you're wanting to buy your first home, then yeah, maybe you throw all your... eggs in the money basket and get the highest paying gig because all, all you're doing is I need my deposit for my house. And that's totally sweet. If that's where your values lie and that's where you are at right now in your career, go for it. But for me personally, I think you could not pay me enough to work in a bad culture. Like you could not. I just, it just wouldn't, I just couldn't do it. And I also think that you need to extrapolate this out. So for example, if you move to a job that pays 20 to 30% more, but it has no opportunity for growth beyond that so there's not actually any career development opportunities then you could cap out there and you could be stuck there so to speak for the next five years particularly if that organizational culture maybe doesn't match up to where you are and so then they don't invest in development they don't invest in internal promotions and whatnot and then you'll find yourself needing to move on again and and how do you feel about that whereas if you stay where you are if part of making it a good culture is the fact that they do invest in their people and you could see that maybe in the same time frame the next 2 3 5 years whatever it is for you you could actually sort of uh, leap over that 20 30 to 20 to 30% and end up earning a higher income at the 5 year mark because of promotions and development opportunities you need to consider that as well so maybe like short term versus long term Oh, that is awesome. Hmm. That is so good. The other thing I've been thinking a lot about lately um, is this idea of I might get, so let's say Nikita does get another job and it's a 30% pay rise. So she takes it and awesome, gets this extra money. But what happens when you move across and you realise I've got a 30% pay rise, but this culture has a stack of overtime, unpaid overtime. So I'm actually working 40% more and therefore my hourly rate is 10% lower than what I was on. Yeah, do not hear this wrong, but I have um, questioned myself on this in the past where I've gone, God, I could earn more at Macca's. And that's just my throwaway, you know, somewhat jovial way of saying to myself, hang on, have I actually signed up for more hours then this job is meant to be done in based on, you know, actually weighing up the salary. and Yeah, you know. so if you're working, like let's let's go there. If you're working right now, Em, in your role 70 hours a week, which I know that you're not because we talked about no, that I'm before. No, I'm really great now. You're, you've got I've, you've I've learned evolved. your boundaries. I have. <laughs> you know, you, you've ticked that off on your development and performance plan. <laughs> I have and you know what, it's constant work in progress but people like you keep me honest. Oh, good, good, good. So, so back but pre-burnout and you may have been working – let's just call it 60 hours a week. And then you look at your your annual salary and you actually kind of analyse that and go, well, what's that as an hourly rate? 
Oh, okay. Well, that's when it gets real because you, you, we're not just trading the current salary for the future 30% salary, actually trading the dynamic and the environment that I'm in, which includes pay for the new dynamic, which includes pay, but it also includes all those other factors that come with a new culture. And so it's really trying to weigh those things up and, and compare them in a balanced way. Yeah. In a way that you're, you're not leaving, you're not ignoring anything. And so if it is an overtime culture, you could be okay with that. But if we're talking about trade-off, you also need to be considering in your scenario, Shell, not just the work-to-work trade-off, but the social as well. So what are, what are you giving up in your own time, so to speak, your social time or your downtime, your non-work time to work the overtime to earn the 30%? And let's face it, there are markets where you will be paid more for the same job or less for the same job depending on the market dynamic. But generally speaking, and more often than not in most markets, if you're being paid 30% more, you've got higher responsibility, you've got more, you know, riding on it as far as what is required of you as well. So is that what you want? Exactly. I think they're really good questions to ask before we make the move. All right. Next question, M. Yeah. Do you want me to read this one out? Yes, please. Because I've lost my page. <laughs> no, I, know. I, was, I think I scrolled quicker than you then. Okay. It's from Michael. And he asks, do you recommend applying and taking job interviews just to keep your interview skills up? And at what stage do you say thanks, but no thanks, particularly in a field where there is a shortage of workers and companies start to offer overs? Yeah, great question. And I love the idea of keeping your interview job interview skills up. And I think it's a really good thing to do to, to practice how you do it. It comes down to the intention. I think if you're doing it just for your own benefit, but you have no interest in the job, I think that's a bit disingenuous. So I wouldn't recommend doing that. If you're actually interested in the job and you may not be like, this is the best thing ever. I'm super excited. But if you're like, yeah, look, I'm happy to have a conversation about it. Go for it, Michael, do it. And and you get the dual benefit of I'm seeing what's out there in the market. I might be interested and I'm practicing my job interview skills. But if you're absolutely um, not keen to go for it, then I think that's wasting people's time. Not only is it wasting people's time, it's actually risky business because let's say that you're interested in working for company A and for the pure reason of practicing your interview skills, you go and meet with them for an interview for a job that you have no interest in or that you wouldn't actually move for if you were offered it. Now, they're going to meet you and they're going to pass a judgment on, on you and they're going to decide, yes, we want to progress with this person or no, we don't. And regardless of what the answer to that is, if you're planning on turning it down, but then in one year time, two year time, three year time, five year time, you decide, actually, I really do want to go into a new role. I really do want to look around and, and move jobs now. And you apply for that same company A again. They might think to themselves, oh, no, we've already met him. He wasn't right for us and rule you out or they might feel like they got the vibe that you were wasting their time and rule you out. And so I guess there's like there is a chance that it could impact your opportunities in the future when you're more genuinely seeking a new job. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, and the only other thing I would add to it is <laughs> before this episode, Em and I were laughing because we always want to add in like we want to give and, as much and, depth, and. depth as possible for these answers. The thing I would for Michael, if if they're coming to you and they're really desperate to interview, like let's say they've reached out a couple of times, like we'd really like to talk to you about this job and they're pitching hard to get you uh, to come and interview. 
Well, what you might say just up front is going, look, I'm really happy where I am. I'm really enjoying where I am. I'm happy to have that conversation, but I just want to be upfront with you that I'm I'm loving where I'm at. And so just, again, we're coming back to this idea of just be upfront and honest and it really positions you well for those future opportunities. Absolutely. And instead of the idea of practicing your interview skills by attending interviews with no genuine intent to you know, look for a new job or to accept a new role, there are other ways that you can keep those skills up. So two things come to mind. One is once you do decide that you are readying yourself to get back in the job market, you can do some role plays and practice with somebody that you trust and and that is happy to do that with you and that you feel safe with. Uh, you can also, though, w- without waiting, network. So actually heading along to networking events or keeping up, you know, those coffee dates where you, f- you meet someone interesting or you become connected to or you, you find out about somebody that you'd like to spend some time with because it's going to serve yourself personally or professionally – Um, in regards to your career, then you can say, hey, can I buy you a coffee? I'd really like to catch up. And that kind of forum is quite similar to a lot of interviews these days. But even the more formal interviews that perhaps don't have the same casual nature as a coffee, you're still going to be required to explain, you know, that about me. So who are you? Can you speak succinctly? Can you answer their questions? Because you're in that networking environment. Yeah, 100%. You know what, like an aside, I've been doing you know this about we I've been doing like work on my speaking and presenting skills because you know we do this podcast and stuff and one of the things I've been doing to practice that skill is voice memos and then listening back to them so answering a question so you could do this for your interview skills Michael get find some common interview questions google them and then record yourself listen back to how you communicate it and listen for the fillers listen for the things that aren't clear and that's just a really good way to practice that skill without you know having any potential fallout I've certainly found that when I record voice memos sometimes it takes me more than one attempt which is not necessarily a luxury you get very often but it's a great way to be giving yourself immediate feedback because I'll be either listening to myself speak thinking okay you're starting to ramble or this is not making sense or it's not succinct enough and I'll go let's try it again or the the beep goes off and I'm like I run out of time that is a feedback loop that says be better be more yeah, succinct hurry up yeah Pick totally. up the pace. yeah I love it it's great hey we're gonna take a break now and we're gonna come back in a sec Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're back and we're up to Chloe's question. Chloe asks how to navigate and best set yourself up to go from a fixed term contract to permanent and what does that conversation look like? Also, if you're wanting to go back to study part-time to upskill in your field and you're in that fixed-term contract, should you have that convo with your manager about wanting to upskill or should you wait until you're on a permanent contract and you've got more guaranteed stability? Ooh. All right, I'm going to be the asker and, and I'm going to jump in and start the answer as well here. I'm Is glad. that too much? Yeah, no, nah, I love it. Okay. Uh, the reason being... This to me just smells of let's have the conversation. So I love the idea just I guess to flip this on its head a little bit of sharing with your employer the your intent around your career, the investment that you're making and in particular if you're planning or you're thinking that you might like to study and upskill in your field and you know what, even if it wasn't exactly in your field, I think that there are still other ways that you can invest in yourself that can still be really relevant and well looked upon by your employer. But in this case, it, it is in the field. So you're in that fixed term contract. Absolutely. Let your employer know that you're you're intending on studying and upskilling. I would do that regardless of whether you're chasing a permanent contract. And I say that because no matter under what, I guess, format you're employed, you still need to make sure that you're I guess viewing that as a meaningful part of your career and that you're expecting from your employer as a leader and from yourself the same level of care and attention in your professional development that may be, uh, you know, there if you're permanent. And I know that some workplaces might have policies that allow for different um, benefits and things and support based on whether you're a permanent employee or you're a fixed-term contract employee. But why not shine the light on yourself that you're super committed and that you want to be there? And so that I guess then goes to, should you have the conversation about moving to permanent? Absolutely. I think the situation for Chloe, she must be in an environment where she feels like if she tells them she is going to study that they'll look, they will question whether that's going to detract from her work performance. Yeah, possibly. That could be possible. So if that's the case, that's a red flag for me straight up. Like if, if you're in an environment where they see you studying on the side as negatively impacting your performance. I think like you probably don't even want a permanent contract. Well, there, that's right. So don't worry about exactly. You know, I part I mean, of the question. If it's in the field that you're working in, it makes absolute sense that you go and study. And I think a lot of organisations actually w- celebrate that. They're saying we will fund your study. There's so many businesses out there that do that. So Chloe, if that's you, like. You, you may be making an assumption on part of the employer. So I also want to say that you, you might be assuming they'll look da- down on, on that. Em's absolutely right. Have the discussion. So here's how I would do it. I would sit down with my boss and I would say, hey, I've got a couple of career goals I want to chat to you about. The first is my main goal is to get a permanent gig here. I love the team. I love what we're about. I love the mission, blah, blah, blah. Talk about how much you love it. Is there an opportunity for me to go permanent here in the future? stability is a really important value to me and it just means that I can have that sense of I'm here for the long haul. The second thing I wanted to talk to you about boss is that I really want to grow in this area of let's say you're doing PR. I really want to grow in PR and I would like to do some uh, graduate study and that looks like a graduate certificate. It's a year-long program. 
It's part-time. It won't interfere with my work at all, but it'll actually help me do a better job. Are there any opportunities here for study time at work? And actually have that conversation. Yeah, and you might even find that depending on what is required of your study, that you're faced with needing to ask for some time, that potentially you'll need some time away from the workplace to attend an exam, for example. So it's like that exam is scheduled at that time, you need to be there. And you can ask that question. Now, absolute worst case, you might find yourself needing to use your leave that you've accrued to attend that exam. I would hate to think that happens. I'd love to think that your workplace would support you. Uh, but either way, I think to your point earlier, Shell, these are, I love the way you framed up a conversation about career goals. And these are conversations that we would always encourage. And then it would just be about how does that workplace or your leader come to the table on that? And is that a place that you want to be long-term or is it a red flag? Totally. And I, I keep coming back to this idea of, it, it goes to what you were saying earlier, Em, that often leaders and business owners can get get a little bit inwardly focused and we forget to have these conversations, but most leaders love that discussion. Like I think about when people have come to me and said, hey, this is what I want to do with my career. And my natural thing is, how can I help you? And I think a lot of leaders are like that. I've found it uh, in the past on the odd occasion that I might learn about something someone's doing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Why didn't you tell me? Like, I, I love hearing that you're doing that. You're going to that course on, on the weekend or you've, you know, been doing it, that online, I guess, you know, short course or something where you've been able to sign up for it and do it in your own time. Like, how cool is that? And so that's where I would love to think that the people I work with are sharing that they've got that going on because then I go, oh, well, now I know you're working on those skills and you've got that interest and strength. I might just leverage that even more over here on this project. Well, I was talking to one of your team members the other day, um, Abby, who is amazing, and she works full-time, studies full-time, but she's studying in the area that she's working in and it's all seen, and she's got an amazing boss, (laughs) wink, wink, it's all seen as part of this growth thing. Well, it's it's more than a job then. In my mind, it's a career, right? A career is beyond the nine to five Monday to Friday that you're turning up to a workplace. That is your job. That job forms part of your career and so do many other things. Yeah. So Chloe, go have the conversation, put it out there and don't make or preempt what your employer is going to say to you, what your boss is going to say. I think walk in and assume that they want you to succeed. Absolutely. And they want to give you a permanent job. Go in there with that assumption and see what happens. Yeah, good luck. We'll keep our fingers crossed. All right. Last question from Dion. Now, this is a short question, but it is massive. I'm just going to preface that by saying it's like not as many words as some of the others, but it's a big one. So, Em, get ready to share your response. I was going to say, we're going to do that thing again where you ask and answer first. Is that what's going to happen like I just did? Oh, okay. I hear what you're saying and I'm – yeah, no worries. I'll do that. Dion asks, what happens when you lose trust in your boss or the owner in a small business? Hmm. Yeah. So, what happens? Where to begin? (laughs) Where to begin? And it's a big question. So what do you do when you lose trust in your boss? And I don't think this just relates to small business, but I I can understand the stakes are higher in a small business because there's really nowhere to hide. And particularly if it's the owner, like they're the owner of that small business and they're your boss. I guess if we're in a corporate uh, or a much larger organisation, government, for example, you haven't got that same owner dynamic necessarily. You might have the boss dynamic and losing trust in your boss is is a whole thing. 
But it, I, I do see how having that small business dynamic, how having that like owner dynamic really creates even more complexity here. Absolutely. Dion, I want to put a question back to you. Go away and think about it. It's not rhetorical. I was going to say, do we then just sit tight for three minutes while the <laughs> listeners answer it? So what I want you to think about is, is the trust repairable? So trust is this funny thing, right? We, I don't think it's, it's black and white. It's once you lose trust, you will never regain it ever again. I think there's, there's a lot of grey. So it's working out, has this been a buildup or a pattern of trust broken over an extended period and therefore it'll be very difficult to rebuild that dynamic or is this one instance that can be repaired? Or is it one instance that can't be repaired because for you, like there are some non-negotiables that we all have in life where we have our own boundaries and there's no coming back from that. Yes. Yeah, that's right. So we think about that in any relationship, you would have those types of things. So I want you to go and really assess, is is this dynamic repairable or is it not? If it's not something that can be fixed, well then for me, the option is you need to look for another job. Yeah, absolutely agree. And if we just do a little bit of compare and contrast again and consider like a a much larger business where maybe, you know, it is a government entity, for example, you lose that trust with your boss, but there might be an opportunity to work for another boss. And so you've not got that owner dynamic, then maybe you don't need to look for another job outside of the organization. You could find one internally, but I, I tend to agree with you, Shell. If the answer though, is that it is repairable, Maybe these things go hand in hand, but I start to wonder, do you want to repair it? Because Ooh. that takes huge amounts of work and vulnerability and emotional energy. Yeah, it doesn't just happen by osmosis. What a good question. What two really good questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've done so, well. Uh, do you want to, okay, Dion, do you want to repair the trust? And for anyone right now who's working for someone where they feel trust has been broken, Ask yourself that question, A, is it repairable? And B, do I want to repair it? Because do I have the emotional capacity to do that? Do I have the desire? Is it worth it? You know, you you know, how were you feeling before this trust was broken? Let's paint the picture of an event has happened, it's broken the trust. Were you already disengaged or were you loving it? Were you like the champion of that workplace just thinking this is the best thing ever? And can, you know, do you want to go back to whatever that scenario was for you? Yeah. So two really good questions. I think this takes, this is a process of reflection. So we can't necessarily say stay or go. What we need to do is do that reflection, like that beautiful question, do you want to repair it? Is it worth it? And then digging into, I would always encourage a conversation. It doesn't have to be the big version of trying to kind of heal and and resolve this dynamic it could just be some version of the conversation where you're indicating and you're almost giving them a little chance to kind of show you that maybe things could be different but if not then that's your trigger and, and catalyst to decide to move on yeah absolutely and look so as far as what happens I guess we've really gone to a place of answering this as far as where we would encourage you to spend your time and and in that place of reflection, depending, again, so much depends on so much that we don't know, but depending on the the way that this has played out, you know, 
what else could happen? You might see it impact others around you. You might, you know, has the trust been broken one way or two ways? You know, is the owner, is your boss feeling like maybe you've actually, you know, contributed to this as well? And so how are they feeling? Like there's so much that could happen. But I think if we stay focused on just your own sense of self-reflection and what you would like to do as far as where to from here, you're in your locus of control and that's all you can really do. Oh, you were very wise. I, I'm i just bouncing off your show, Well, remember? so I've been thinking about this for a while of, and it's been in my notes as a LinkedIn post that I've wanted to do but I haven't really well thought it out. So bear with me, roll with me. And think about this idea of are they a bad boss or are they just having a bad boss moment? And how long is that moment going for? Well, and I think that <laughs> comes down to a couple of things. It's like how do you work out if they're a bad boss or they're having a bad boss moment? It's all about the frequency and consistency. Like if they're consistently doing X behaviour that's really awful, well, then you kind of get the sense that they're a bad boss. But if it's infrequent and they recognise and have the self-awareness to come back and say, hey, Em, I'm sorry I really let you down here and here, then chances are they just had a bad boss moment and we have to have grace for that, I reckon. Yeah, or maybe they are a good boss on nine out of ten decisions, actions, behaviours and then this one time, the 10th time, they've had a bad boss moment where like a lapse in judgment. And that happens. Yeah, it happens to all of us. 100%. So it's how do you determine between those two things and use that in your assessment process, Dion, and anyone who's in a similar boat right now, use that to weigh it up. And, And I think there's this thing of, you know, you want to extend grace, but you also need to protect, you know, your own level of energy and and emotional capacity and all that stuff. So weigh it all up, put it all in the big swirling cauldron of things that you've got to figure out and go forth. Yeah, know that we are right here behind you. (laughs) You've got this. All right. Thanks, Dion. That was a really cool question and one that we haven't had anything like before. All right. Well, that's it from us. As always, if you enjoy the show, share it with a friend. If you know your friend has this situation in their workplace that's relevant to them, please get it to them. If you listen, wherever you listen, uh, can you rate and review? Because that helps us to get the word out there. Five stars only though. We have a policy. (laughs) There's a workplace policy. (laughs) We're suckers. We're needy and we love positive feedback. Because (laughs) if you have other feedback that's constructive, we've got like a method for that. You can sit down, have a conversation with us via the Facebook community group. Uh, We don't need any one star reviews. (laughs) Is that too much? <laughs> no, I like it. Ask. No, it just goes to, you know, have the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Give All us right. the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> awesome. Hey, well, thanks for hanging out and we'll talk soon. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.